0: Oh, <music> Hey guys, welcome back to Colombian Influence. Uh, my name is Risa, and this is Erica. And uh, today, in well, sort of in studio, I guess via Zoom, we have Daria Rottenberg, who also goes by Valentina. And we are going to be interviewing here her uh, here soon in just a minute, um, Erica. If you want to just kind of give us the um, I don't know Colombian Influence vibes, like what are we? Yeah, what are we all
1: about? Yes, yeah, so Colombian Influence is all about gosh what we have so many things not only influence people who are adoptees but just everyone in the world i think everyone can benefit from what we talk about and the interviews and just how to understand adoptees um mainly we're just kind of trying to mainstream this conversation about adoption using our own experiences as well as others in the community so we are just excited to have another interview a zoom live interview in studio so this is going to be fun yeah, so welcome, uh, Daria slash Valentina. Thank you for joining
0: us today. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> cool to see. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So um I guess let's just kind of start with uh, you know, obviously all of our interviews are either adoptees or usually parents of adoptees, that's kind of as far as we've gotten. So Daria is a fellow adoptee like us. Um, So let's just kind of get to know your backstory. Um, If you wouldn't mind just kind of starting with a little bit about yourself, uh, where you were adopted from, where you live now, how old you were when you were adopted.
2: Okay, so... Hey guys i'm daria but i also go by valentina um i'm adopted from st petersburg russia when i was six years old i came over to the states and i grew up in a small town in michigan um i was adopted twice but i also had a mid family in between so i went through um two different families before i found my third my official family um and then i moved to la about four years ago so now i live in la and Um, maybe about two years ago, roughly, um, I started going on this journey of just connecting to myself and my Russian self and, um, just my story and all that. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a good journey so far. It's been crazy. (laughs) Wow.
1: Six years old is a lot older than us. We were only a couple months. Um, so do you remember anything being in Russia when you were younger?
2: yeah yeah i have a lot of memories um there are a lot of bad memories but also at six years old and also in the 90s in russia it was a really tough time mm-hmm. so i think you know with most of us adoptees we all have kind of a rough backstory, hence the adoption you know so the memories aren't that uh great but i've learned to take the good out of the memories to help me connect to my past um and Try to kind of put that puzzle together.
0: Mm-hmm. So you yeah. said that it took a few, I guess, families to you know find the forever, you know, family that you ended up with. I usually hate that term, but I don't really know what else to use in this case. Um, but was that prior to becoming to being six years old, or was that like starting that process at six? I'm just curious more about the timeline.
2: It's so like complex, and I'm always trying to find a way to kind of shorten my answer. <laughs> But um, I was at four years old. I ended up in my first orphanage in Russia, and then from there, I was in two more orphanages. So three orphanages wow. in Russia, and then um, in my last orphanage, is when I was adopted into my first family, and we did the whole legal process in Russia, and then I came over to the states. Um, it wasn't the healthiest environment for me within that family, um, so I was with them between six and eight, and then I think. Probably around seven, I um, child protective services was trying to put me into another family. Um, so I was with my mid family, I call them now, mm-hmm. um, and then I went back to the first family to kind of try to try that again, I guess, because um, they couldn't find a placement for me yet. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's when I met, you know, my family, the Rottenbergs, and it was just kind of meant to be. And here I am now. Wow.
0: So were you in Michigan? Like were those other families in
2: Michigan or were you kind of all around the states? All in Michigan. um, I'm like, I don't even know where I was uh, with my mid family. Um, I don't really talk about that too much because it wasn't too long of a time um, Mm -hmm. that I connected with them. But yeah, it was all in Michigan within like vicinities that I've been to. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So I always say now, like three orphanages, three families. And that's like, I just sum it up really quick. So people can be like non-adoptees. It's easier for them to be like, whoa, okay. (laughs) Sure.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Wow. So I guess with your name being Daria and then Valentina, like did they keep your name from Russia? Do you have any backstory on that at
2: all? So I can confirm now like a lot more. Um, that in russia when a child is adopted they lose their original identity so my first identifying birth name that was you know given to me by my birth parents valentina um that name and that identity is completely lost and dropped and the family that adopts you gives you kind of a new identity and name so it was changed from valentina to um uh, Daria actually in Russian but they Americanized it more and then called it Daria uh-huh. and then the nickname of that is Dasha and then the nickname of Dasha is Dashenka. and then I just <laughs> found out because I'm connecting more to my Valentina um, Russian you know birth identity um, the nickname of Valentina is Valya. so I go huh. by a lot of different names now by different <laughs> as they get to know me um like some of my uh russian adoptee friends uh call me dosh which is the shortened nickname for the nickname that i have it's 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 so much but you know i connect to all the names and i appreciate all of them um and i think it's kind of special that people call me what they feel drawn to calling me
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: yeah that's that's kind of similar
1: to you risa because Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, you can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. With
0: with me, I mean, I was uh, born Amaranta uh, in Bogota, and then my parents, thankfully, uh, did not keep that as my first name. You can only imagine that probably in Minnesotan schools that I'm trying to pronounce and spell Amaranta. So that is now my middle name. I was uh, given the name Teresa as my first name, and then kind of later in high school, it was kind of just like started evolving and started going by Risa instead and now sometimes people even shorten it to Teresa and it's like, all right, that's fine. You know, whatever you kind of feel is right. And, you know, my friends from before then, like in middle school still call me Teresa. And it's like, that makes sense. You know, that's how you knew me as. And so I get the name thing. I don't think there's as many ways to shorten my name as for <laughs> you. So yeah, considering the two that
2: you have, but yeah, I totally get what that's, what that's like. Well, I also think, um, for me, like, Daria is more Americanized of Daria, so mm-hmm. I probably gotten even more questions if it was Dadio or Valentina growing up. But I still got asked, you know, where are you from? That name is different, and unique, mm-hmm. and I heard, you know, with your birth name, that is kind of similar. It could have been a little bit more triggering or challenging, kind of explaining that all the time, you know. Right,
0: right. That's kind of a conversation we had the other day, where small talk for. Uh, adoptees is super loaded because like you said people ask like oh where is that name from and it's like do you have 10 minutes like (laughs) this is more complicated than the normal person be like oh I'm named after my grandmother you know that's like all people have whereas for us it's like well there's there's a lot to unpack here (laughs) so
2: (laughs) it's very uh loaded small talk however you said it that was like perfect way of putting it Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so I guess with your adoptive family I would say your third family um are you pretty close to them? how did that go with that transition when you were older
2: um it's it been different seasons um I guess to sum it up like when I was younger and first adopted I was able to just be a kid I was eight sure. when I- in that family and I was able to just kind of fit in and I was the only child and I fit in really well and everything was great. And, um, I adjusted pretty well compared to the first family environment. Um, and I was able to kind of, they kind of gave me the freedom and the space that I needed to just be myself. Mm-hmm. And I also, I think was challenged with, I don't know if you guys are, well, I'm sure you guys are familiar with, um, reactive attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think most of us have a little bit of that in us Mm -hmm. at least, but I um, struggled with that in the first family and in the family, my family now just made it more easier for me to kind of fit in and not have to, they didn't challenge me very much, if that makes sense. So that was like a really healthy thing. Um, And then as I got older and into my teenagers, it was like, Okay, you know, we're all teenagers, we're all trying to figure ourselves out, Mm -hmm, and like, mm -hmm. don't know what we're doing. We're in high school, we, you know, and identity is a big thing for all of us. But I completely numbed myself down to my whole Russian side, and I did not, I mean, I was triggered by everything. I don't want to talk about like my name, I don't want to say anything. Um, and I didn't have, you know, they're an amazing family, but they also didn't know to support that adoptee side of myself because they probably didn't know that it was something that I was struggling in because I didn't even know. <laughs> <So> <laughs> mm-hmm. We never talked about these things. And uh, and yeah, I guess I, as I got older, I just um, kind of moved out on my own. I, I was always independent, just wanted to get out and live my life. And then I slowly realized, especially... I always say now, like me. It took me moving across the country to California. Mm-hmm. to realize, like, wait, my family and, and all the unfolding and all these things. Like, they're I'm really blessed and I'm grateful and and I have an amazing family. And you know, we may have different love languages and you know, mm-hmm. the nurture and nature. We may not have the genetic, uh, you know, connection, but right. there's things that they did right and um it's brought me closer to them as i got older and as i got deeper into my journey because i was able to look at not just my perspective and all the pain um and looked look into their perspective and kind of put myself in their shoes and learn what adopting was like for them too it's it's been a really cool uh growing experience in that for sure
0: no we both absolutely get that yes that said what is the um I guess the I don't know setup of your adoptive family like do you know specifically like why your parents adopted Do you have siblings um at all on that in that family yeah so
2: my my um parents they you know they got married and um my mom couldn't have children and they were just they were going to, you know, they're going to just live their life like that. And they were satisfied. And then my dad always tells me like they went on like a cruise or something. And then they realized like, no, we want kids. We want more, <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> it, you know, it's like a really great, um, exploration that they found. Um, right. but they, so they looked into the adopting, um, you know, eight through an agency somewhere in Michigan. And, um, I was, just put into the system like by the family that my first family and um i was kind of a like a rare immediate like needs action immediate action Mm -hmm. case and my dad was starting to give up on adopting because it's a really long process Mm -hmm. for uh, you know prospective parents to go to uh to go through and um he said that he went into the agency and he was going to basically just you know Tell them in person, like, hey, we're okay. I think we're just gonna take a different route or whatever, or take a break. And the woman, the social worker, I think, she handed him a photo of me and was like, Well, she is actually, you know, just got in the system. It's kind of a rare immediate case. And, and he was like, That's it. And it just kind of went from there. And like, I don't even want to cry, but um <laughs> it's okay. We cry here. <laughs> But um, yeah, he's told me that story. The thing is like, you don't know until you ask. um, And I never knew that story until I asked them. So Mm. (laughs) I'm
1: like, shoot, we are so suckers for like stories and
0: stuff. This is like a every single time occurs. Yes. (laughs) a sensitive person,
1: so
2: like- Same, we are too. it comes out again I'm like wait yeah it's still sensitive
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure and like bringing it up I can it brings those motions right back into you so we totally understand that and mm-hmm. it seems like it's meant to be like wow what a interesting and crazy situation for both sides
2: yeah yeah it's beautiful like it's just putting all the pieces together and learning of like everyone's perspective is like it's not just about us and what we've experienced. It's the whole triad as a whole, you know?
0: Oh, absolutely. That said, with the, everything that was going on, you had mentioned like in the system and that sounds to me like it's kind of getting into the foster care side of things or and also kind of the domestic adoption because initially it sounds as though it was, you know, international because obviously you came from Russia, but how does that all piece together. I guess this is kind of a more unusual situation that we haven't heard before.
2: Yeah. it. Um, I don't even think, I haven't heard of a lot of adoptees being adopted like kind of multiple times within the States from Russia or mm-hmm. from um, a foreign country right. like that. Um, so it's been really confusing for me to try to understand, but really it just was kind of like a rare case where the family that did adopt me you know just was not working out, and mm. I had a we had challenges within each other and um just i i guess the the agency that they went through um that's the agency that they you know put me back in or whatever and just mm. try to kind of pass me off um and yeah, just went from there. But it is really interesting how that works. It's so confusing too. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely a first, at least as far as the interviews that we've had so far, as far as what's kind of gone on. And like you said, it's pretty rare to have people uh, kind of return back into the system, especially after an international adoption.
2: And that's part of, um, I actually was just on the phone with my mom kind of talking a little bit more about that, but it's part of the trauma aside from the other things that were stemmed within that first family, because that age bracket from six to eight um, is huge. And it's so, it's like my first family again, you know, mm-hmm. and in uh, it was a lot of installations that weren't healthy for me. Aside from that, it's also like now seeing like the paperwork, I was really just, kind of tossed over like we don't want to deal with her kind of thing and that's yeah. traumatic no matter how old we are to uh, kind of yeah understanding that for sure yeah I well,
0: think a big part of that is also and you had mentioned uh prior to us recording is that you are looking into starting to read the primal wound which is a lot to take in <laughs> so read it slow um but when it comes to like How you just described that as being, it doesn't matter what age you are. I think for those who haven't read The Primal Wound or for people who haven't been adopted and don't really understand the trauma, like you said, it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, we were three months old and there's still a lot there as Mm -hmm. far as how the trauma really, you know, holds true, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally in every single way. And so there is no doubt in my mind that what you went through at age, you know, between six and eight, Obviously, that's going to be pretty scarring considering the fact that it's not, I mean, that'll be more like conscious memory, whereas Mm -hmm. kind of like the more infant kind of stuff as far as, you know, what people go through, like when they've been adopted at what, maybe three and under or something or two and under is going to be less conscious memory than something that you went through. So, well,
2: it's funny because I I don't know if it's going to show me again, but yes. (laughs) <laughs> thing. So it's really funny, but um, I some uh, well a lot of the times actually lately I've been thinking like if I was an infant adoptee how would I handle my experience and
0: mm-hmm.
2: what I kind of I don't know I just kind of think on that um, and. I think like how you said, it's kind of like a subconscious, you kind of don't know as much. And when I was six, I was so young and a fragile age that I didn't know if my, my, cause I have more memories than my birth father. I didn't know Mm. if he loved me or if he didn't, or if he was a good person or if he wasn't like, I was so young. I couldn't comprehend what was going on. I didn't know the full story. I didn't know what actually happened during that time. Um, and I, I feel like if I was an, an infant adoptee, I, it would be harder for me because I have no memories to even go off of. But I also think it's like both are just as hard. Like yeah, age bracket, it is just, it's hard regardless. It's mm-hmm. challenging, but it's worth doing the work, you know, and, and healing and going on this journey.
1: Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess i'm just super curious because you just went back to russia so do you want to like tell us all about that how did you feel like going up to the time you left what were your emotions um what were why were you going there you know obviously to kind of just go back to your roots and kind of where you were from but did something drive you to do this more at this time than before or kind of what was the whole backstory on
2: that so I'm, I'm able to speak on it now, um, a little bit more, but not in full depth, but mm-hmm. I, um, have this show and, um, my, well, I have a friend that introduced me, um, to the show that he's working on and he's a Russian New Zealand adoptee. And I started connecting with him just as an adoptee and, um, wanting to know more of my, you know, past and my journey and my story and. Um, Basically, I got invited to be a part of this docu-series show called Reunited. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, we started or before the pandemic, we started like filming um, a little bit more on my journey here in the States. And then the next step was to go back to Russia. Um, So it was the show, but it was also me being there and connecting to my roots and myself and my story and my memories. Um, and I think the main thing for me was, um, connecting my memories because it almost was like it passed life for me. And it was Mm. so, I said, I was such a fragile age where I didn't know like if these things really happened or did this place look like this or was this, this person that I thought it was, um, in the order of events. Oh,
1: I'm
2: sorry. No worries. <laughs> you can dance to it. <laughs> You'll get calls if you're on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um. <laughs> sorry, guys. You're, no, fine. you're fine. You're popular. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> the thing the thing for me was just connecting to my memories and and kind of not second guessing that um, within myself mm-hmm. and validating myself and I was able to do that and not everything quite yet, it'll take more times to go back and kind of unravel more pieces you can only do so much mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, it was really fulfilling and um, I, I'd like to say I gained a little bit more confidence from it just knowing that every memory that I have is accurate Mm -hmm. and that is like just the craziest feeling. It's also not only is it beautiful, but it's also the other end of it is like, Oh dang, that actually did happen or that was how I felt or it was kind of, it's, it's been hard to process um, since I've been back just because it's so much contrast. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall it was something that I needed to do and that's why I did it. And um, I lately kind of have been wanting to tell my story more, so it was a really fortunate thing that I was able to do that walk with the show so
1: wow, yeah. and to have that documented is everything because when I went back, I didn't document anything, and it's almost like I blacked out during it, you know, like you just I can imagine there's so many yeah. emotions and so many things, so to have that series that's amazing, I i can't even i'm jealous to be honest (laughs) like i wish i could go back and redo that because i but at that time i was 18 so that was what and
0: that's probably the last thing you would be thinking about too it's just like yeah i need to take a picture of this and this and this like if i'm in a moment where i'm just enjoying myself or something Mm -hmm. i that is the the last thing that I'm going to document on like Instagram or something, it's just because I'm enjoying the moment. And then something like that, because you were there for in Columbia for how long? 12 days. 12 days. And Daria, what
2: about you? How long were you in Russia?
1: Oh, man,
2: I was in Russia for 10 days. And yeah, I'm kicking myself about it. I wish it was longer. Mm-hmm. I really wish it was longer. It's it As soon as I started getting comfortable being of course, there, of course, of course. To go back to right. the state, so it was, it was a culture shock, and it was really depressing, and it still is, to be honest. Like being back here mm-hmm. when I did so much to my Russian side.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, I can imagine that's a lot to process, both just before while you're there, and especially while you're mm-hmm. back. And I think, mm-hmm. especially, just knowing now. I mean, now we know that because I've never been back to Columbia and that's something that we really want to do together at some point. And I think now we know it should be, you know, at least two weeks so that we can go and actually experience it. Because like you said, I mean, any international travel, you you get comfortable and then you leave. So, yeah,
2: yeah. definitely. I. I regret not being there longer, but I do want to go back every summer and winter if I can. So Mm -hmm. I'd like to go back in the winter time. Um, But as you said, with filming, it's, it was really challenging because it's in the moment, but it's also so vulnerable and it's so Oh gosh, I can't even imagine. And then, you know, I'm kind of in the industry myself, you know, acting, modeling, so it's hard to turn things on and off cuz mm-hmm. I do it naturally but it it was it was just challenging for me it was really really challenging but it is a blessing to have that um I don't know how it's going to come out but it's going to be great <laughs> you know is what it is it's my story um but all the different steps to it and I'm I'm a naturally like emotional sensitive person so everything mm. is so deep to me and Before I went, I mean, I just was, like, two days before I started, like, actually feeling like, whoa, this is about to happen. Like, I was terrified. I was Mm -hmm. so scared. Um, And then when I was there, I, you know, certain things that I can't share yet. (laughs) Yeah. But Mm -hmm. certain events happened that I was really, really freaked out and really nervous and anxious. And I didn't, you just you're physically there
1: mm-hmm.
2: I didn't know how to process while I was there, but I had to just do it
1: because yep. mm-hmm. yeah. I'm there
2: and you have to do what you have to do. But then when I, since I've been home here in the States, it's like, okay, well now I get time to sit down and process mm-hmm. and I want to, but the thing is, I don't know how to, I don't right. even know where to start. <laughs> so. That's been the most challenging thing for me is like, I don't know how I want to, but I don't know how. Right.
1: That's a really good point, too. I think for me, I mean, I was just thinking back then it was what, 10 years ago, Instagram and stuff like that wasn't even really yeah super popping at that time. So I think vlogging and things like that it wasn't even coming across it probably my didn't mind even, yeah
0: i was gonna say it probably didn't even
1: yeah and yeah. so i don't know for me it was more i think i'd write about it um but i think if yours is pictures taking pictures and like maybe thinking about oh how did that make me feel in that time just different ways to process it that way i don't know it, it, it's something that you're just gonna eventually figure out but it took me a while after i got back to feel fully comfortable with it. Even to this day, it's like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Or how does that make me feel now? I'm still kind of processing through it. What do I do now that I know my birth mom, you know, all of those things. It was, I thought it was going to close all of those chapters, but yet it kind of opens a little bit more.
2: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) it does. I knew that I think a lot of, uh, I guess the stigma or the idea behind going back to like a birth country or just kind of reconnecting to our roots and our story, it's either for closure or it's for a new chapter. Mm-hmm. And for, I knew it was not going to be closure. I knew it was going to be a brand new chapter. I just knew it. And and it is. <laughs> so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very confusing. It's very complex. Um, there's things that you know i'm you can't be fully satisfied in your story there's there's pain there's trauma there still um but overall i'm really grateful and blessed and like overjoyed with me going back and what i experienced there um yeah and i'm excited to share it yeah <laughs> so Absolutely. do you know do you know when that will come out um i think I don't I don't know yet, I think they're they're just not starting to kind of wrap things up sure. and start working on all the stories um like filming wise and stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure yet actually
1: that's so exciting. well, everyone listening just know there's gonna be a part two once that's out so we can kind of go in mm-hmm. full detail with her. We're just excited to keep this journey in connection with you throughout this because I know it's a lot to process and we're always here for you also, so mm-hmm. definitely reach out anytime <laughs> yay <laughs> Um, let's see. So trying to figure out where we're
0: at. Uh, so I think from what we've seen on your Instagram, there's some other groups and everything. And like I'm adopted, dot uh, org that you're in association with, what can you tell us about those groups and kind of just your role in all of that?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm adopted, um, organization slash charity. I found this, um, a few maybe two years ago or so and this is when i was like really starting to want to be more curious on my journey and wanting to be more consistent <laughs> in doing the work mm-hmm. um and i i just rem- remember i googled how do i find my russian family i mean it's just <laughs> the silliest thing right but it's like that's all we can do and i found this uh the website and then i found the um, the Instagram. And then I found the founder, Alex, and I basically just, you know, reached out, we started connecting and, and it just kind of went from there that I became kind of like a team member or ambassador, um, really just an advocate for other adoptees. And I really like to, you know, connect with other Russian adoptees, any adoptee that wants to connect in general, I think it's just so important to do that. And there's a sense of community, um, when you're able to do it, because it's, for me, it's not easy to do it constantly all the time. Of course we get that. (laughs) it, It can be overwhelming sometimes, but it is important and, um, to find people and find people within that community that you can connect to and share stories and kind of give each other validation and voices and, similar experiences um so really just my part and i'm adopted is just kind of working with alex and helping share those stories and advocate for other adoptees and especially with the experience with my russian-american you know adoption side of things and experiencing um getting my citizenship in russia again and then getting the passport and then going back to russia and like sharing my journey that's really, I'm just trying to advocate for all adoptees, but also Russian adoptees to know what the process is like when they're ready and if if they're ready, you know, Mm -hmm. so I just try to share as much as I can. And that's really my involvement.
0: (laughs) I think with what you said also in regards to just kind of being able to advocate specifically also for Russian adoptees, we have definitely found that domestic versus international is super, super different. And then when it comes to the international sector, as far as every single different country, it's also incredibly different.
2: Yes, it is. And that's, you know, it's so many layers to it. And mm-hmm. with me, I can connect to any adoptee across right. the board for any layer, you know, it's who you connect to as a person, a person. Um, Cause I've met, you know, some Russian adoptees where it's just like, I I try so hard because we have this connection, but really we don't. (laughs) and It's okay. And you just, you connect to, you connect with, but I always at least try with any adoptee. And then the next layer is the Russian adoptee. And then the next layer is who is on a journey as well. and, And who wants to connect or who's reunited or who hasn't. And there's just so many layers to it that you can continue to connect with everybody. Um, Now, I'm forgetting where I'm getting at with that, but yeah.
1: (laughs) And you talked about citizenship and passports to go back. Was that a long journey for you? It's like for Russia, that would be very complicated.
2: (laughs) Yes, it's really complicated and it's really traumatic. I'm not going to lie. Like I said, like in Russia, we get our first identity dropped. So my double adoption, it was really challenging because in in Russia, I'm known as my first adoptive name, my first name Daria, and then my first adoptive last name, which I'm not going to give away, but um, (laughs) I've learned to kind of not really share that too much, but um, so I'm known as that name, and obviously here in the States, I'm Daria Rottenberg, which is my uh, adopted family now, and in Russia, obviously, there's no paperwork that shows, oh, adopted here and then here and then here, and, like name changes. No, it's not there. So when I went to like apply for my passport and I physically flew to like Washington, D.C. and do this, wow. um, it was so triggering and traumatic because it took me going back and forth from the embassy within like an hour Uh, time slot before they closed i i went in and they're like well you don't have everything you gotta you can't do it and i'm like bawling my eyes out i'm like well you guys i flew all the way here what do you mean i don't have everything you guys should have told me and basically they didn't know how to tell me that i didn't have anything to show my adopted name that's known in russia to who i'm linked to now but then i i found out just to reapply under my first adoptive last name in russia so i have two different aliases (laughs) in russia and a different name here and to get the process uh or to go through the process to merge it together um is a whole nother it's a whole nother level to it and it's very confusing and it would take a lot of time and energy and money and that could be triggering too and Mm -hmm. right now i'm not going to do that but I definitely cried when I signed off on the paperwork to release passport mm. you know, in Russia to renew under that name that wow. I'm not anymore. It mm-hmm. It was hard, but I knew I had to do it to connect the dots in Russia because that's what I'm known as in Russia. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. It it's- <laughs> It is. And I, I appreciate talking about it with other adoptees and especially other Russian adoptees that have gone through it already because yeah. they just, they get it mm-hmm. and I don't have to over like share everything. Um, but just a few days ago, I met with another uh, a younger Russian adoptee who is interested in going on their journey and going back to their roots. Um, and we just kind of, you know, got to know each other more. And they were asking me questions since they knew I just went back um and i think just me helping people understand that it's a process
1: mm-hmm.
2: like if i can share that like my experience everyone is going to have a different story and process and path to get to their journey but if i can at least share what i experienced it could be similar to what they may need to prepare for yes. um i think a lot of people think that it's oh it's just an easy process i'll get my passport and go mm-hmm. It, it's a lot and there's a lot of emotional things that you don't know about until they come up. Um, so yeah, that's what I experienced in my journey
1: all all across. <laughs> and just being someone who people can reach out to, I think that's super like important because with, Columbia, I had to go to Chicago to get my passport renewed, and I don't speak Spanish, so doing that, and they only spoke Spanish and understood, they didn't understand why I didn't, you know, like, oh, you're Colombian, why didn't you speak Spanish, like, like, I'm trying to explain this to you, but I I can't speak, you know, (laughs) it's just very difficult, and those are things people don't understand either, it's not just you go, you fly there and it's all happy and easy. Like, especially when you're born there, it's it's a big process. So I, I'm glad I'm not alone in that, but yours is a little bit more complex.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a language barrier and it's mm-hmm. it's really so hard and challenging. And I was really, I was freaked out about the two different names. Like, yeah. is Russia gonna accept me back when I land? Because I have right. two different, I have this name and then I have this mm-hmm. name and I look super Russian in this photo, super American in this photo. <laughs> Gonna think I'm doing something sketchy, you know. Right. It's just what is the funniest part about that is all my nerves. It was easier for me to get into Russia and go through customs than it was for me to fly out of the U.S. They asked me more questions. Not even surprised. (laughs) It's like when I checked into my flight, they were like. Why are you this? Why are you that? Why don't you speak Russian? Because I was um, about to fly on a Russian flight, mm. and I mean, they just like somewhat interrogated me, and I'm like, well, you know, I whatever adopted twice. Like this is this is my legal paperwork here, and my legal name here, um, and it's just it's. I, I also I know I go through these challenges, um, which are so hard, but at the same time, I know it's for. A greater good and purpose for other people that may experience that and these things need to be changed these laws need to be had yes. as, as easier and make it okay for people to go back to their birth country yes. and connect. In, in russia it's like it's not it's kind of it's hard to explain it's kind of looked down upon um in the culture like why would adoptees want to come back why would they want to come back like mm-hmm. and reconnect to like trauma mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's it will be really good to hopefully start paving the way of uh changing that yes, idea.
0: right i think there's a lot of work that's being done by adoptees like in this you know era of technology where we have the ability to you know, produce this kind of content and just be able to talk about it. I mean, our podcast was started with one mic that we shared and one laptop and it was (laughs) like, we want to do this, you know, just for, like you said, the greater good and just to be able to get this information out there. And I feel like this is the, the way for adoptees, especially to shine and finally get the information out because it's, you know, a group of people that exist everywhere that a lot of people don't even realize. And it's, you know just as common as you know just about every other person and it's like there's a lot of us and I think there's a lot that hasn't been said that needs to be said
1: and that needs to be understood so and I think there's no guide either like I didn't know I had to go through all of that to go back to my birth country I thought it was I thought it was going to be easy and and I'm adopted you know (laughs) like and people who aren't adopted they really don't understand so I wish there was more of that but again we are being that
2: now yeah it's also like for me I've been kind of triggered more lately since I've been back Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think as I share my story people probably think I'm just always open to talking about it and that's not the case Um, and and with that person that I just mentioned that we connected as Russian adoptees and they're younger um, we were out at like an an event 4th of July and I, I was really triggered because I know people they're good intended but they just may be ignorant and just don't understand and don't know and i am challenged with that lately because i'm still trying to process everything so much that it's hard for me to like talk about it to everybody Mm -hmm. wouldn't even know how to express it Mm -hmm. um but it was just funny like the comment was uh oh you guys are both russian adoptees are you guys like you guys have the same parents like it's the assumption is like wild to me um but it just shows me just how far-fetched of the information and understanding it is for others to yes they just don't know any better you
0: know and it's really just like the full concept of adoption is lost on people which like that's a really big concept to lose (laughs) yes (laughs) and especially in that case with that specific situation like oh you're both Russian adoptees, a massive country. It's like, oh, are you related? It's like, well, okay, both of you are from this state. Are you related? You know, it's the same kind of thing. like twisting it to the other
2: side. Does this make any sense? <laughs> it shows that they and not on them, but it just shows that others that are not adopted uh really just don't know the adoption mm-hmm. side of journey, mm-hmm. adoption I mean, just maybe assume like, oh well then you guys are all just related and it's like, whoa, it's just so far but <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> but it's you know, the good side of that is like it's it's our job if we want to and we're doing the work mm-hmm. and by doing this and spreading our journeys and our stories and
1: our voices Mm -hmm. yes and i think it's
2: really important
1: the more i'm doing it the more i'm just realizing wow like a lot of these people are connect with us that never had anybody i we didn't have anybody before we met each other exactly we could connect how we do and so it's it's really important and i'm just happy that you're doing that for russian people because we can't do that i mean
0: russian adoptees and it's obviously very different than Mm -hmm. the experience that we had so it's you know good that people can like take their yes you know experience
1: and
2: take their experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I ask you guys what, um, like what made you guys want to, I guess, have this interview with a Russian adoptee?
0: (laughs) Well, we are always trying to really just expand upon what kind of adoptees that we can talk to, because although, you know, our, our title is Colombian influence, we just, the true meaning behind that is just that our, Colombian side can you know have that influence on our story and that's really all that it is it's not specifically just Colombian adoptees it's not you know any any type of specific thing in that way but it's more so just making sure like most of our interviews are generally around the same um, process to a certain extent like as far as the questions that we ask because we want to make sure that people are getting their stories out and making sure that people do see the different sides of what types of adoption there are. So, you know, we've talked to plenty of, you know, domestic adoptions, interracial, plenty of uh, international adoptions, and they're all different. They're all so, so different. And even though we're from the same place, literally the same orphanage in Bogota, Colombia, it's like, we still have a very, very mm-hmm. different story. And yeah. that's really the true purpose behind this and how we kind of ended up coming up with this, interview process when we talk to different adoptees is that generally a lot of it is that from our end is about the same but it's because there are so many specific things that we want to hear from people from different countries yeah exactly
2: and also like for me I like I I just love hearing other adoptees stories no matter Mm -hmm, what Mm -hmm. background it is or what layer or level it, it is um, because it always helps me grow and helps me connect to myself or just yes. learn new or it's just, to me, I always take the good with anything, you know, it's always like a learning growing experience. You
0: know, Absolutely. I think a lot of what we've done too, and just about every interview that we have, we have something specific that we get out of it. That is a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, kind of with what, way back in the beginning when you were talking about your trip to Russia and the fact that you had mentioned a lot of people think that the trip back is either closure or a new chapter. Hmm. And that was something that I was like...
1: I've never thought about it. Like, I
0: hadn't thought about that. And I'm also curious, like, what you view your trip as I to always Columbia. thought it was closure. But it
1: wasn't? It was a new chapter? No. It's completely new. It opened mm-hmm. so many new... I would say wounds and kind of close some of those wounds. I bandaged those up. I understood it a little bit better, but it's a lot when you, when you do that reunion and it's not always just, oh, that's perfect. Everything worked out perfectly. Even though I had a, a good story, I was able to find my birth mom. Some people aren't able to do that. It still was a new chapter and still mm-hmm. is. I'm still trying to figure out what do I do with all this information? What do I do with having her in my life now?
0: Mm-hmm. Which I think for me, like when you and I can go back eventually, it's, I guess I hadn't thought about it in the one way or another, because I think that is really the only ways you can kind of pose that. And Mm -hmm. I think people need to kind of start thinking about is how do you view it ahead of time? What might you get out of it after the fact? Mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, it's going to be kind of a combination of the two, but I think a lot of people do think of it as just closure. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people view it as, well, this is going to be a new chapter. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think of it as just closure. And I think that can kind of limit
2: what you get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes I, sense. think it also, I, I think what I'm, what I'm feeling on now is like um, the openness Um, I think with me, I I was just so, oh my gosh, like willing for answers and connection Mm. and all these things. And just to remember my memories and go back to those places and revisit that and just putting everything together. Like I was so open to all of that, that I knew it was going to be a new chapter due to that openness. And I think, Mm. um, if I mean, in my opinion, I think um, a closed chapter is a safety net to Mm. some extent. And mm-hmm. then yeah. you through it, you then decide if you want it to be a, a new chapter, you know?
1: Very good point. And mm-hmm. I also think with you being older, you understood a lot more. And oh, so absolutely I think that does play a, a role in it also. I was just going like, I don't know, you know, what <laughs> this even was. I guess let's open up and see what what happens. But for you it was like, were these memories I had real? where was this gonna be validated when I go there? So I think it's again you went in it with a different perspective, but I love that view on it also because it is a brand new chapter.
0: Which yeah. that said, validating doesn't always, I mean, it doesn't mean closure, no. <laughs> you know, it's like, especially I think with the adoptees, mm-hmm. it's, that's kind of been our experience reading the primal wound is it's validating,
2: but it doesn't make it any less painful. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And that's something that's something that I'm, um, well, I've always known is like, you can do all the work you can. I don't even know how to say this without sounding like negative or depressing, but it's like, the trauma is still trauma. It still yeah. happened. Still, circumstance got us to the adoptee experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can choose to view that as a, a beautiful journey to unfold and work on and heal and I'm all about kind of, um, breaking that generational trauma because yeah. that's exactly what it is. And that's mm-hmm. where it's stemmed from. And, or we can kind of suffer inside and either way it, it hurts. It hurts either way because circumstance, you can't change. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my little.
0: <laughs> 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 so going back to, um, I guess kind of you're growing up and then just kind of discovering this kind of side of yourself as far as what adoption kind of means to you. How do you think, and this can be as broad or as specific as you'd like, um, and share as much as you're comfortable with, but how do you think that adoption has affected your mental health? Oh yeah. I was looking over that. Um,
2: (laughs) before, before we did this, I was looking over the questions really quick. I love that question. Um, Uh, I didn't realize my mental health until the pandemic hit. um, And that's when I started digging deeper and obviously all of our lives slowed down. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of adoptees grew closer to themselves and each other through the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. to some extent, I think that's a blessing. Um, So that was when I started kind of doing that. Like, I've always been like a... uh, introspective, uh, better, you know, always bettering myself kind of person, but I didn't realize the mental health is a whole different level to it. Mm -hmm. And then once I started realizing that during the pandemic, I was like, there's a lot of work to be done here. (laughs) Um, So it's, I mean, adoption has impacted my mental health and my whole life to every degree possible. But I also am careful within myself because I'm so introspective and I'm always digging deeper that I can overthink and overanalyze and overwhelm myself easily. But so I'm trying not to put every, not necessarily adoption as an excuse, but I'm trying not to put every experience or um, behavior or mannerism that I may have or challenges that I may have due to adoption. I'm trying to understand there's so many things that nurture there's nature Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. biology. There's like, there's so many things that play in part, um, within that experience. Um, and yeah, and outside forces and you know, all these Mm -hmm. things. And so it's definitely affected my mental health. Um, and where I'm at now with that is just taking more stillness, like more time for myself. Um, more self-care, more self-love, more stillness in my life, um, and really just choosing myself more and not saying like I was always a yes person before my journey started. And then yes. I realized <laughs> I, I realized I was always um, kind of fitting in everywhere I went. And I was just that just socialite to everybody and known by everybody doing everything all the time. And I would come home just really depleted. And I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to be that anymore. And since I went on this journey, it just kind of has been really fulfilling that internal side. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, that sums up that question. Absolutely,
1: and I think yeah. we can totally agree with them. And <laughs> I didn't even realize COVID kind of brought adoption more together, more that self love. We, you just said this in our past interview. We're putting up those boundaries. We're trying to say no more often because we are yes people. I think yeah, I think as a lot adoptees, of adoptees are, they're just you're people pleasers. You yes. just don't want anyone to feel bad or feel hurt
2: because you've been hurt. You know, your whole life. The thing about. Well, the primal wound, um, the back of the book, I kind of read a little bit more about it. It's not just for adoptees. It's for anyone who's felt abandoned. And yeah. like, that's why I want to share my story. It's not just for adoptees. Obviously, that's the biggest connection, but it's mm-hmm. I want people to know like everyone has trauma in their life and in childhood, especially mm-hmm. we all are who we are as an adult due to our stemming from our childhood and just breaking up patterns within ourselves and, you know, putting up those boundaries and like working just self work is really yes. my main goal. And me telling my adoptee story and connecting to adoptees is how I'm doing it. But it's also challenging because on my Instagram and my following and just the industry that I'm in, mm-hmm. I would, I'd like to say that I'm trying to add that to the industry or, um, kind of the world that I'm in here. But it also feels um, unbalanced sometimes because I don't want people to think that if they're not an adoptee, they can't connect. They yes, can't we um, get
1: that all the
2: time. I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I can relate relate to so many people, whether they're adopted or not. It's mm-hmm. It's what you choose to um, view as a perspective and a story. If, if that makes sense, if all of oh, yes. yeah, totally. I mean, it makes sense to us. Yes. <laughs> I
0: mean, when it comes to a lot of that too, it's just that there, I mean, I've had plenty of friends that have listened to our podcast that have said like, wow, I didn't realize how, you know, how we were so similar or that something like this, I really connect this with, I mean, they may just have kind of a, um, you know, a family life that's kind of confusing or, you know, any kind of way, it doesn't really matter, um, what exactly is going on as far as the abandonment specifically, as far as like, what's, what the specifics are, but yeah. yeah, So like there's, there's that element. And then in regards to kind of what you said about you know, the pandemic and everything. I know Eric had mentioned that we're both people pleasers. We always were yes people. And I know for myself, it took me a really long time. I was in, uh, you know, theater constantly from like second grade until five years ago and like choir and stuff. And like, I love that during school, but doing that outside of like having a job was just becoming really challenging with having to be so social all the time. And during the pandemic, I was like, oh, no, I have to stay home and be alone. Rats like (laughs) people just kind of started to finally catch on that. It was like, no, this is actually great, you know, and having that time by myself. And like you said, a lot of adoptees, I think, had that time to connect to that. And obviously, Mm -hmm. we still kept the podcast going during that time. And it's obviously been a very big growing experience for us. But yeah, I totally get what you mean when it's like, it's you know forcing yourself to stop being a yes person
2: all the time mm-hmm. yeah and yeah I mean like I I kind of am, and I'm an extremist sometimes I actually kind of noticed I was really closed off and I started shutting everything down because I was so up here and I got mm-hmm. too much in my mental state <laughs> so <laughs> since really, since I've been back from Russia I've been trying to Kind of push myself a little bit more to kind of get out more and see people and do things and whatever to a certain extent, but I still pretty much stilled my life. (laughs) Um, So yeah, the pandemic was good for that.
0: (laughs) Right. It's kind of it's kind of one of those things that everybody has at least one silver lining, and I don't think that that's (laughs) bad to admit. You know, I think it was good for a lot of people to slow down and. you know, kind of see their life for what it really was and everything. So.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know some people too. Um I remember one person messaged me and was just like, I, you know, just, I follow your journey and I'm like, oh, like, how how did you find me and uh, Alex, uh, uh, the other, the founder of I'm Adopted?" I'm like, how'd you find us? And she would, you know, this person was like, you know, I don't have the best relationship with my family. And I just think if you guys are doing the work, so much work to reconnect with your birth family that, you know, there's abandonment, relinquishment there and so much trauma there. And you, you guys are trying to do all this work, like that's inspiring and that's motivating for non-adoptees. And so it's like, It's just important that we all, I don't know, I'm all about doing the work because you don't know who you're going to speak to and inspire adoptee or non-adoptee. Absolutely. Great point. Yeah. For sure.
1: Are you a part of any other groups besides that one?
2: Yeah. I, um, I'm on Facebook. I'm a part of like two Russian groups. So the support group for the, um, for I'm adopted Russian adoptees. And then another Russian adoptee group on there. Um, I haven't really been too involved in them, but um, on Instagram, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Michelle, baby, be brave.
1: We just started. I was going to say that Mm -hmm. seems relatively familiar.
2: She's a Romanian adoptee and she, um, we, we did an interview together too. And um, she just started having kind of advocates for her, um, for her page and for her, uh, I guess, organization, baby, mm-hmm. be brave. So I just kind of became a little bit more a part of that. Um, yeah. So I try to do what I can. Um, I mean, for me, I'll be involved in anything as long as it's a, a positive impact and yes. we get to share our voices. It's really all it is. It's just another platform to share more of yourself and your journey mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and advocate. And that's it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess for me, uh, what advice would you have for other adoptees, um, kind of a similar background uh, age wise or people younger? What what advice or experience would you um, kind of nav- have them navigate through that or help them learn through that?
2: Um, I, well, I, I, we all say the ones that have always you know gone through the journey, we all say, like, do it when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all about breaking that fear. If you want something, break that fear. Cause I wanted to do this my whole entire life and I just never did it cause life happens. And you know, it just started numbing everything away. So if you want something bad enough, do it when you're ready, do it. Um, in my opinion, I think it's so important for all of us adoptees to try to connect to ourselves, the perspectives of all of the triad and our story. Um, connect to other adoptees, find support if you can through other adoptees. Um, and I guess just be more open to future unfolding um, and have faith. Um, and what else? I feel like there's so much. I guess <laughs> As a Russian adoptee, um, know that if you want to go back to Russia, it's going it every chat or every challenge every case is going to be slightly different and some more challenging than others and ta- some more time consuming than others um and you you're gonna need help don't do it on your I don't I don't recommend doing it just on your own <laughs> um and yeah I think
1: that's that's it. great advice yeah
0: yeah for sure um mm-hmm. as far as kind of well, I guess adoption overall, or just again, based on your experience, what are some things that you wish people would realize about adoption?
2: Um, I feel like it's like a hidden secret. It's like something that that's not talked about. Um, and it should be talked about, but when it is talked about and those people have the curiosity and the openness to talk or to ask us questions, um the the conversation and dialogue should be um not so uh I don't know how to explain it so in your face about it, so um, blatant. yeah, so kind of blunt mm-hmm. it's a really delicate thing to talk about, and it's an unfolding type of conversation um mm-hmm. if we want to have that as as adoptees. Um, but adoption as a whole, um, it's a multi-layer thing and it's, it's, (laughs) it's, um, it's a process and it's, I don't know, it's beautiful. I'm like pro healthy adoption. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely pro adoption, but I'm also like for prospective parents, I'm not, I think there's so much work that they need to do within themselves Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. before adopting because, regardless well this is kind of like scattered but how I view it is like as an a, as an adoptee the adoptee already has trauma regardless of what the right. circumstance was exactly so with the adopting family and just because I've kind of experienced this within myself with the different families and just by getting to know other adoptees um the perspective parents need to do the work beforehand and need to offer support for that adoptee as well and understand that the adoption is going to impact them and it needs to be talked about, um, and and not just fill a type of void within themselves and not to view adoption as a last resort. Um, because that is all in my opinion, in my opinion, it's all about energy and that energy is already not very healthy um, Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're giving as much nurture as you can to that child. And you understand that they're, they're not the same blood. They may be a little different and you may have to work around that. Absolutely. I think a lot of that connects to what we've talked about
0: in the Mm -hmm. past as well. We've uh, after a while with our, with our podcast originally, it was very, you know, I'm pro-adoption. Like we felt a certain way about it because we've both had, you know, generally positive experiences, again, despite the fact that we all come with trauma. But eventually we were like, okay, we've talked to some people that are also like really anti-adoption, or at least anti to international. It's just, it's very complicated, but we kind of talked about it. We're kind of just said we are neither pro nor anti-adoption it is just the fact that adoption has a lot of changes that needs to be made basically you know some of which being with adoptive parents and just the fact that we say this all the time is just the fact that when your child arrives the work is not done that is not the end of the journey and I think what can be my gosh (laughs) yeah I think what can be so daunting is the fact that this time to adopt and i mean obviously your adoptive you know family was about to give up you know it's like it had taken so long that going further after that can be so you know i don't think a lot of people think about that because they've already been through this much process to you know adopt this child and it doesn't seem like there should be a lot of work after that but there is so much left to be done and to be understood or at least attempt to understand that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And just be able to connect with your child and make sure to nurture the things that are necessary. Like you said, is just make sure to continue that and, you know, do whatever you can to heal
2: that trauma to whatever extent that's possible. And also I think for me, it's really big to not to exploit any adoptee and not to like overshare when you adopted like a, a foreign baby or a child or, you know, that's, I don't personally think that's okay because you're already speaking for them and not giving them a voice whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Um, for sure. There's something else I was going to say, but I forgot, but yeah, definitely allowing the adoptee to find their voice and helping them through it, giving them support. Um, I forgot what else, but yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, uh, and like you said, kind of just, we always say we don't, like that it's sometimes seen as a last resort and i think that's often the way that it's posed mm-hmm. in media like just with you know tv shows and stuff that's often the way that it's posed or at least that's the way it was when i was more growing up and that's kind of my was my idea of it was just oh this is last resort for everybody apparently and that's just kind of a bummer you know
2: well, I, um i remember now kind of oh, that yes. savior mentality mm-hmm. um, Which it is. It's a gift and it's a blessing and it is. But I think just understanding that there's so much contrast in the whole experience all around for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not just saving. It's also like, like with me, I did not feel saved leaving Russia. I felt I was leaving my whole life I was leaving family behind I was leaving my blood behind you know my roots and all these things and I you know within that first family I think it was a very kind of savior mentality like just fit in just do this just do that but I was really struggling first of all language barrier I'm sure and you know I didn't even know English yet and then when I learned English I'm way too little to even express how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. let alone talk about any of those things so there's just so much uh well I guess what I can say now is love is not enough there needs Mm -hmm. to be like some work done there needs to be support there needs to be um a lot of nurture and and patience too yes absolutely
1: I'm so excited for you to read this book because yes everything you kind of touched on is in each of these chapters. So that's going to be really interesting to see your take on those and kind of how you felt after each chapter. And that said also with what you had mentioned about love
0: isn't enough, you know, (laughs) and everything that have kind of become these almost key phrases with what we've, we talk about what we hear from, you know, our interviews is that I think it just really strengthens, strengthens the fact that adoptive parents Need to listen to the adoptee voices Mm -hmm. because we're the ones who have been through it. We're the ones who are talking about it now. And, you know, I think it should be, I don't know, I guess I just feel like we should be listened to more now that we've all Mm -hmm. found our voice and, you know, making, making it so that it is a regular conversation, both for a resource for the adoptive parents as well as for the adoptees as they're growing
2: up. I also think, um, as the adoptee is growing up, it's, up to us at a certain point um that we can connect more to ourselves to the triad we can do more work because we're older and it kind of in my case kind of took that a little bit Mm because i i was not that close with my family and it just you know there's things that i needed to work on within myself to connect more and i you know with some of these support um chats and, and groups and stuff that i've Kind of read some of these um, stories on. I think some adoptees. Um, well, I'm not really. I'm not trying to talk bad or at all. But I think we tend to sometimes put blame on a lot of things due to our own perspective, but we're not doing anything about it. Um, mm-hmm. We we can choose to do that. We can choose to have a better relationship. We can choose to have better dialogue um, to go and discover ourselves more. Um, yeah. (laughs) That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it it does take a while. I think it's kind of a a different coming of age, you know, than a a normal person like in their teenage years or, you know, (laughs) whenever it might be. So I think that that's really important that a lot of people need to discover and, you know, if that can be alongside us or you, you know, that's always good and we just always want to expand that community. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, yeah, I was going to say just if you want to um, let our listeners know where they can find you, um, the organizations you're part of, as well as the show that you're going to be featured on,
2: take it away. Yeah. Um, So the show is called Reunited, and I'll be sharing more about that as that unfolds. Um, And... My Instagram, you guys can follow me on my Instagram. It's at D-A-R-I-A-R-O-T-T-E-N-B-E-R-K, Daria Rottenberg. And yeah, I share a little bit more about myself there. And um, that's the main place that I share about my journey. And of course, when you, uh, after
0: the show and everything, we can certainly, we would love to do a part two with you so we can talk more about that trip specifically. So hopefully we can have uh, Daria back for that.
2: Yeah, because that's um, I'm somewhat uh, it's somewhat of a shell right now. I sure. can't really of talk course about everything, um, but yeah. Part two is like I mean it's a whole another level to this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think this was just a good way to kind of get to know you and just kind of know the background of it, especially prior to learning about your trip. This is the kind of stuff that's I guess the basics when it comes to an adoptee. So yeah. this is a good way to start. Definitely. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, guys. this was super fun. It was great to meet you. Um, Everybody else uh, who's listening, uh, we were so lucky to be able to talk with Daria today and uh, we can't wait for a part two. Um, That said, please be sure to follow Colombian Influence on social media, uh, C-O-L-O-M-B-I-A-N. And if you would like to uh, read along to Primal Wound with us, you can find those um, video podcasts on our YouTube channel as well as just the audio versions basically wherever wherever pod, podcasts can be found so find us there uh always like comment subscribe uh, leave us ratings and reviews and comments on everywhere so and share us out like yes get send us word anybody, out, you know.
1: anybody identity um, who's suffering with identity Trauma, and I mean anything—not just adoption, not just clubbing like adoptees. We about, yeah, definitely. Just share it to anyone because a lot of people can relate to this, and a lot of people can learn from our podcast and how to correctly um, talk with and understand more adoptees. Absolutely. All right. Until next time. Later. Bye. Bye.